Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Art is another form of good trouble. One of the sentences describing the University of Kentucky Art Museum's current exhibit titled, This is America. The exhibition is dedicated to civil rights pioneer, Representative John Lewis, who died in July of this year. Representative Lewis famously wrote, Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Voting and participating in the democratic process are key. I think he would be proud of America today. The exhibit is under the direction of Stuart Harodner, director of the UK Art Museum. Stuart has a lengthy museum resume. He's held uh, many positions all across the country uh, as visual arts curator in Portland, Oregon. He's been in Pennsylvania, New York, has had several teaching positions, and has organized and participated in many art fairs and shows across the country. He's been at the University of Kentucky for six years. Welcome, sir. Thanks. Great to be with you, Bill. Tell us about This is America at the UK Art Museum. Sure. Uh, Well, the exhibit felt like something that was uh, necessary to do, Uh, you know, with the presidential election looming, you know, about a year ago, it seemed to me, I started to think about what could we do by way of an exhibit that might like to look at um, the current state of the country. And uh, I started working with the notion that we might draw on a lot of the materials for the exhibit from our collection. Um, Obviously, in the space between thinking about doing that exhibit and actually starting to curate it, think about artists who might be in it, um, pulling checklists of work that might be uh, relevant. Uh, COVID happened and the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor happened. And so the landscape of the country uh, beyond just the election, but the nature of the discussions on social justice and health Um, made me feel like it was even more urgent to do the exhibit. You know, it it was going to be timely, but now it also felt timely and exclamation point maybe uh, really necessary to try to say something about um, what the country feels like. Um, There is, you may know, uh, an unbelievably interesting song and a very provocative video which is titled This is America by the uh, musician and actor, uh, Childish Gambino is his uh, musical name. Um, And it takes on uh, images of violence and shootings and and police uh, brutality. And so that phrase, that title stuck in my head almost from the beginning and I thought, Well, you know, a show called This is America would be good. And including historical work, contemporary work, 
work by artists in Lexington. And um, so slowly over a couple of months, the show took shape and got more and more refined. And then at the last minute, I thought after the passing of uh, Congressman Lewis, it really made sense to kind of honor not just his legacy. You could dedicate a show to a lot of people. But having lived in Atlanta before I moved to Lexington and having seen Mr. Lewis at several cultural events and meeting him once, I thought, you know, he really has helped me stay on track whenever I've gotten rather uh, filled with, with uh, you know, fear or doubt. Um, I sometimes think about all of the battles and optimisms and moments of doubt and just two steps forward and six steps back that that man dealt with. And I thought, you know what, <laughs> I can work a little harder and I can stay more uh, engaged, you know, even when I'm tired. If he can do it, you know, it's a, it's a good, good example. So, so the show really jumped from there and, and we can talk more about specifics, but that's the backstory. Stuart, I don't know a lot about uh, your profession. Um, I, I love uh, being a patron. Um, I love... Uh, being inside museums. I do know from um, very little experience, though, that it seems like in a lot of cases, it takes an extraordinary amount of time and planning and and forethought and group meetings and financing, and you, the list goes on, to plan uh, a, a major exhibit. Um, and so in the midst of all of this that you just described, especially uh, uh, the, the pandemic uh, and all of these uh, forces uh, working e- either against you or for you for this uh, uh, exhibition, uh, how did all of that happen so, uh, and almost on your, on your clock? I mean, I don't know if you could have planned it any better. Yeah, the other thing is that, you know, this is one of the things that we have going on here. So, you know, on top of just doing this exhibit, we've got several simultaneous exhibits, which have other themes and other, uh, you know, other focus. But um, this is part of doing this work. It's like, you know, in, in your in your work, all of our colleagues in the arts and humanities, you know, we're constantly staying in touch with things that are happening. What are we reading? What are we seeing uh, online? Who do we talk to? So, you know, if I'm doing my work right, there are a lot of possibilities that are uh, potentially drawn into a project like this. Um, I did a talk last night with three of the participating artists. Two of them were in our collection and I knew them uh, previously. And I was part of, uh, in working with my colleague, Janie Welker, uh, we added works by these artists from the collection, but we borrowed, for example, for this show, four paintings that were done by an artist in Atlanta named Joe Perugini, and they were paintings done almost a decade ago for the uh, Center for Disease Control, for the Spencer Museum, which is part of the CDC in Atlanta, uh, on cleanliness. It was a series of paintings that Joe made of people washing their hands. And he was interested in the sort of daily ritual and religious history and kind of cultural histories of just that activity. When the pandemic hit, I thought, well, you know, what we don't have any work in the collection exactly that would be this specific. We have some images of mortality 
and and illness and you know people in vulnerable states but it felt like boy i really need something that feels absolutely you know pandemic uh specific and i remember joe's paintings and thankfully he loaned them to us for the exhibit and so there are some moments in the show i'm thinking also of works by an artist named john henry uh, who my colleague Alan here at the museum turned me on to. John finished a series of, uh, an ongoing series uh, called Stranger Fruit, which of course is a reference to the, you know, famous song Strange Fruit about lynching. And the photographs show uh, black mothers cradling their sons. I mean, in this case, the, everybody is alive, but it's, you know, mother holding her son in a kind of pieta position uh, looking directly at the camera, imagining the death of their children, you know. And when we see on TV the coverage of repeated grieving and, and loss in the Black community of, of you know, young men being murdered, um, this was an artist trying to say something about that dread, that potential fear that these families have to navigate. Um, and so the, you know, like knowing about these works felt like I could bring those to bear on a show that also wasn't partisan. You know, this isn't an exhibit that's pro Trump or pro somebody else or positive. Uh, it's not political in that way, but it looks at pride for the country, anxiety, you know, questions of significance, history, memory, immigration. Um, so, you know, quite a lot to engage. And, and the show is exhibits to, to displayed in a way, um, in, a, in, a, in a strategy that feels somewhat unfinished or somewhat works are very much in proximity and juxtapositions rule the experience. So there's a feeling like you are engaging these works and you're meant to sort out why things are next to other things and what is the implication of this with that um, I'm thinking, for example, of a pairing of a George Washington portrait by Gilbert Stewart, the famous portraitist of, you know, <clears throat> our first president, next to a video, which is a drawing and an animation of George Floyd going from blackness to slowly the blackness is, uh, is dissolved and you start to see the drawing of the face of George Floyd. And the pairing of these two Georges, in a way, unbelievably powerful, but only because I saw that video by Michael Wong in San Francisco on Facebook and on Instagram, something he posted on Black Thursday, on uh, Black Two, Blackout Tuesday, uh, you know, months and months ago. Um, so you know, it's like staying alert and nimble and trying to think about what you can bring to bear. And being thoughtful about costs and, you know, uh, what might speak to people. Something like the uh, the Wong video that you just uh, described, is that also on loan? Or how, how, what about the rights to something like that yeah. that, that you, you were able to get? Yeah, I mean, the way that we get work, Bill, for almost any exhibit is we either own it in our collection of almost 5,000 works, or we're, lo we're borrowing it for a period of exhibit, uh, often from artists directly, sometimes from collectors, and sometimes from galleries. In each case, 
those are you know specific loans. Our job is to obviously get the material here, take care of it, present it thoughtfully, and get it back to where we got it from. Um, sometimes with shows like this, we try to consider purchases for the collection, um, constantly trying to expand the things in our holdings. You've been at the university uh, just a little bit over six years, you said. Was one of the first things you did when um, a, a museum director arrives at a, at a location is to go into the uh, catacombs, uh, the, the, the basement, and open up and see uh, 5,000 uh, works? And I'm, I'm curious ab- about the answer to that. And also, what would you say uh, surprised you or that maybe you saw f- four or five years ago that all of a sudden the, the light went on and, and you thought this is going to be perfect for this exhibit. So what, what's the ratio of what you have in, in the house and, and what you had to bring in? Yeah. I mean, I'd say over 90, you know, over 90% was in the house. Uh, and just that Gilbert Stewart painting, for example, was something that when I first arrived, I was, you know, delighted to see that we had, you know, uh, a work, by that artist portraying, you know, George Washington. He made many versions of those Washington portraits and you can see them all over you know, museums and uh, places in the country. But I was kind of surprised that we had that. The strength of our collection is, is in many ways photography and works on paper, meaning drawings, printmaking, photography. Uh, that's a really uh, focus that we've had for many years. Um, we have a good collection of uh, decorative arts. We have a good collection of mid-century, 20th century painting uh, from the United States. Um, and, and we have, through the generosity of several major you know, patrons and collectors, the core of you know, what you would call an encyclopedic museum, although we have, like many museums, huge gaps you know, when I arrived, part of the job was to get the assessment of what are we strong in, what are we lacking, what might we do about that, you know. So it starts to give you a roadmap on building on strengths, adapting to weaknesses. Um, so there were a handful of things in the collection that that felt very um, you know, just trying to remember things that made sense. So that when this show came around, um, the possibilities of what could be included already had some really rich material photographed by, you know, Gordon Parks, uh, drawing a print by David Sequeiros, um, a Barbara Kruger suite of silk screens, a portrait by John Wesley of Daniel Boone, um, you know, so you start to realize in that case, it was like, wow, okay, Daniel Boone, uh, Andy Warhols. Um, oh, something I should mention just because, you you know, I think one of the real surprises when I first came here, and I did not know about this at all, uh, was that we had numerous uh, photographs by Ralph Eugene Meatyard. Uh, Meatyard lived and worked in Lexington. This is an artist whose work I knew for years, but I did not know its relationship to Kentucky. And so to come here and realize that, uh, 
you know, Meat Yarn was from here. Most of the works were made in the environments around Lexington. Eventually, that led me and, uh, to meet uh, Meat Yard family. My curator Janie and I organizing a really large show of Meat Yard's work. So, I mean, you know, part of that getting acquainted period is the is a really exciting moment where you get a handle on what's here and what's part of the visual history of the community. When you first um, started thinking about uh, This is America and you yourself or, or by yourself or with your colleagues uh, sat down, did, did you have a, an overall theme in mind at that time uh you, th- there were competing or i guess maybe contributing forces that that were were uh, roiling around uh so how do, how do you then take all of these things that you've mentioned that we've talked about and 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 sort of make it all work uh inside a building yeah um well the first thing was maybe almost an admission that trying to do the show was simultaneously important and uh, crazy, you know, <laughs> because, you, well, challenging and, and, and you know, crazy in, in a good way, but, but like, how are you going to take on a subject so complicated? Uh, it's impossible to be definitive. You know, if every day we watch reports by, you know, people more involved in the history of the country than I, trying to make sense of the daily machinations of what goes on, uh, you know, they're befuddled. And so to try to say, well, I've got a handle on this, you know, and I'm also aware, like, you know, uh, I have a particular background. I'm a middle-aged white man coming from a particular point of view. This was not an exhibit where I was going to work for three years with a team of curators. It was something that I felt like if I do my job right, you know, and I spoke with, you know, a fair amount of folks who gave me feedback to some of these ideas that in a sense, I was agreeing to make a kind of report. You know, I was taking a lot into account, early thoughts on the thing you asked about subjects or, you know, historical figures, kind of heroes and heroines, uh, the, the enormity of a subject of race was going to be there from the beginning. Uh, um, the landscape of America, you know, the kind of spaces of America. Immigration felt like it had to be in there somewhere. Um, landscape, uh, objects that spoke to the kind of nature of, uh, a, you know, uh, talking about um, the complexity of objects and symbols that speak for America, you know, the flag had to be there in some way, maybe. Um, So those were categories that helped me structure, like they were separate buckets that felt like uh, I could start to make choices and see how many of those buckets got filled and what was the balance, you know, and what I was going for was maximum juxtaposition capacity, you know, maximum uh, works that would bring out uh, emotion, works about segregation. We have an amazing Elliot Erwitt photograph of a black man drinking from 
a you know black designated water fountain uh, with the white water fountain next to it. Um, I'm sure the um, it it says white, colored only. Oh, you know, yeah, uh, you know, and that's a work from 1950. Um, so when you have things like that, you start to say, all right, these are the anchors, and I can now build things that sit with those works. Um, and that, you know, that, that, that was the guide really, you know, using those works as the jumping off points. We're talking, uh, on Think Humanities podcast with Stuart Harodner, the uh, director of the UK, uh, art museum and the current exhibit, uh, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, it, it is uh, currently on display. I'm going to Come back after a, a brief pause and ask uh, Stuart about uh, times and dates and and uh, what people can expect and maybe a little bit more uh, right after this from our good friends at Spalding University. Spalding University's affordable, nationally distinguished low residency MFA in writing offers excellent instruction in a compassionate, supportive community. Focus on your own area of concentration. Explore across genres and examine the interrelatedness of the arts. During one-on-one independent study, you'll write prolifically and receive expert feedback from your faculty mentor, developing the discipline to keep writing for life. Study fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, writing for children and young adults, and writing for TV, screen, and stage. Learn more at spalding.edu slash school of writing or email school of writing at spalding.edu. Stuart, give us the, uh, the, the timetable on this. I, I think it's wonderful that it's going to be up for a while. Yeah. Uh, the show runs till February 13th. So with a, you know, a, a break for the holidays, we, you know, we'll be uh, closed for, uh, from the 13th of December into mid-February. Um, so it's a 17-week run, which, you know, gives people a chance to come and visit. And, and our visiting now is timed by the hour uh, in an accommodation to COVID. So people get on the website, they can pick a time to come and visit within the hour. That only, uh, that, that gives them a sense of, uh, there's only 20 people in the building at a given time so that there's plenty of room for social distancing, safety, uh, people moving around and not being, you know, too close to each other. And uh, tell us, uh, you're in the Singletary Center, but uh, you're on the campus. Uh, Just uh, for people that might be listening to this that are new to the area or aren't familiar with that particular area, tell us uh, how easy and accessible it is to get there. Yeah, I mean, you know, the challenge at UK, as you may know, is, you know, uh, getting on the campus with some sense of parking. Uh, but the weekends are often the easiest time to visit or parking at the, you know, on campus where you can and just walking over. It's just, uh, you know, half a block away from the new student center. Um, so, you know, it's a very available space. Um, there is no admission charge for the museum, so people can come and feel like they can access us and what we do as often and as easily as they want. Um, and there's always several things going on. So the other thing to say is that uh, you started by saying, you know, this might not be something you know tons about. We encourage people at every level of engagement to come to the museum. 
You never know what's going to speak to you. Some things you might like, some things might be, you know, uh, less to your taste or less to your curiosity than others. But I think of it as offering a kind of rich diet, Lexington-based work from elsewhere, things that are historical, things that are contemporary, uh, things that are traditional, things that might be understood as radical or provocative in, 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 in uh, experimental modes. So, you know, it's really about exposing yourself and, and feeling like uh, you're entitled and empowered to come and, and let these things work on you in some way. And you never know how that's going to, you know, what that's going to teach you. Um, Are you pleased with uh, the way it has uh, developed and, and, and now it's on permanent display? Yeah, you know, I, I I do feel I grew up in New York, uh, and I'm sort of spoiled rotten when it comes to having had wonderful access to some of the world's great museums. And I took that, you know, uh, as a kind of birthright, like by virtue of being a New Yorker, my parents took me to museums as a kid. Once I could go on my own, it was one of the great things to go and do, um, sometimes with others, but almost invariably most of the time by myself. And just led by, you know, intuition or where your eye found itself being lured. Um, and I like to think that, you know, while this is not the Metropolitan or the Museum of Modern Art, it is Lexington's museum. And, you know, you'd have to go an hour from Lexington to Louisville or Cincinnati if you wanted to see, you know, works by Picasso, works by Andy Warhol or photos by Cindy Sherman. Ben Sean, you know, Milton Avery, Ralph Meatyard, you know, this is where people can get exposed to things they can read about in books uh, or dream about seeing American Impressionism or Impressionism Impressionism. Um, you know, uh, we don't have everything that I would want, but we've got a lot of unbelievable things. And museums are always uh, organically growing and acquiring and um, uh, exhibiting and, and uh, to bring in uh, new visitors as well as uh, people who are familiar with yeah. your work. So, so it's always changing. Yeah, and actually this is a moment, Bill, where museums are thinking rather hard about their role, about issues of equity, about issues of representation, not just on the staff, but in the holdings and the programming. You know, who are you doing this work for? How do you empower them? How do you create access? How do you bring more people to the table? Those are all things that I, you know, was very keen on wanting to be um, really, you know, tough on uh, talking to my colleagues, talking to the dean, the president of the university. Like, how do we, how do we make a museum that serves the campus's goals? How do we make a museum that is a destination for people in the Commonwealth? And how do we make one that maybe by its rigor and excellence uh, builds a, a even more established reputation that people all over the world may never be able to come here, but they may, you know, we keep doing good things, hear about, you know, there's something like I keep hearing about something going on, you know, at the University of Kentucky's Art Museum. And that to me is the, those three situations are things that I think about quite a lot. How do we achieve that? Do you find that uh, interest in 
the humanities um, is waning, uh, that uh, it's being overshadowed. Uh, there, there's, a, as you well know, uh, a scholarly debate uh, uh, that seems to, uh, that more emphasis is being placed on science and math and philosophy and art uh, or history. Uh, does it bother you? Uh, are you uncomfortable with with the where we are in the humanities? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is probably yes. I feel like many of the things that have been the most joyful for me as a, as a sort of curious, intellectual, discursive person who likes talking about ideas and thinking about them. And, uh, you know, the, the direction of our country and the moment uh, we seem to be in is one that's decidedly anti-nuance. You know, it feels very much like extremes, polarities that don't have any real bridge to speak to and with each other. Um, you know, I love all that gray area where ideas get, you know, debated, where histories get evolved. Um, and so that kind of nuance or taking a long view on something um, really feels like it's under some form of crisis. And much of that feels, I think, uh, born from social media, the kind of isolation and, plat you know, everybody's got a platform to be able to speak, which is great on the other hand, but I think it also has tended to um, divide us in many ways. Um, I've read some, there's a writer from MIT named Sherry Turkle. She's written a lot about the impact of cell phones and social media on empathy and on our ability to communicate. And basically she says, you know, uh, it's doing significant damage. And so, you know, what I love about the museum is it's a place where uh, in a way you have to show up, you have to see, you have to be in the space. You can see things online. You can get a sense of an exhibit. Uh, but unless you're in the room, you know, there are works in this show that are, you know, 13 feet tall. There's a Louis, you know, there's a painting of Charlottesville by Mike Howard, which is a, a sort of moment of the impact in that crowd scene with the car and, you know, people scattering. And, you know, this is a 13 foot painting. It's nowhere near as brutal as the three seconds of the video from Charlottesville, as you recall. Um, but, you know, so on the one hand, you're standing in front of a painting of a scene from American recent history that, you know, and the painting is enormous and you look at it, but you also situate yourself and your body in relationship to it. And then you go across the room and there is a series of small bottles by the artist Louis Bickett, who lived here in Lexington, and they're soil samples from Independence Hall from Martin Luther King's house in Atlanta, from the base of the World Trade Center after 9-11. And so, you know, you could look at a little bottle of dirt, soil, uh, debris, ash from 9-11, and this little, you know, collection of material can take your breath away. So, you know, the biggest thing in the room might not be the thing that, you know, hits you. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Sterner Rodner has been uh, speaking to us about This is America, the uh, uh, one or the, 
the, the key exhibit uh, on, uh, on uh, display at the University of Kentucky Art Museum. Um, uh, a slight break during uh, the holidays uh, of Christmas, but then uh, back until February 13th, did you say, I, I believe? Yes. Uh, Stuart, it's uh, great to talk to you about this. Uh, I, I definitely uh, will uh, want to come by and, and take a look at it. So we, we thank you for your time today and thank you for your work and thank you for your uh, concept of this and, um, and, and what uh, impact it should have uh, on all of us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bill. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.